Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me a drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. 
Let's talk today about a great, great world power. One of the great world powers for its time of all time. A juggernaut. Powerful Navy. Well-led. I'm talking about a place called Sweden. Didn't see that coming, did you? And it's a little strange to think about, but I wasn't kidding. There was a time, you don't know about this time because nobody teaches actual history in class anymore. You got to learn about it. Black Lives Matter. But there was a time when Sweden was the big boy of Europe. And I mean juggernaut. Let's rewind a little bit. Go late 1600s, early 1700s. This is the situation on the ground. Now you need to remember this. And remember it well, this is not necessarily an era of countries per se. Now, yes, they're countries, but at the same time, this is an era of kingdoms, monarchs, this king, that king, this czar, this king controls that territory, controls this territory. I don't even know if you went back to you know, this kingdom at this time, if they would call themselves Swedes, it's probably more along the lines of, I belong to the king. And who is the king? Well, that that gets, that gets interesting, too, because, for one, his name's either Charles the Twelfth or Carl the Twelfth. I have no idea why they can't settle on a name. And not only is it Charles or Carl, Carl in my various readings and and whatnot for this, is sometimes spelled with a C and sometimes spelled with a K. Remember what I've told you before. It's very, very difficult sometimes to get actual specifics, which is why I don't dwell on them too much. They seem to change all the time. We're going to call him Charles for the purpose of this show. Now, who is Charles? Well... For one, he was a man who lost his mother at a very young age. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's very, very sad. And it is very sad. Nobody wants to lose a mother. I'm sure somebody listening has lost one. It's terrible, right? But there is, you know, that that Christian way of thinking that God can use all things for good. And Charles gets a benefit out of this, I guess you could say. Mom dies, nothing against mom, but dad realizes, wow, this is all on me, and his dad is the king. I had better take a unique interest in this young man because I no longer have a wife to do so. So when Charles is 10, 11 years old, he is now accompanying his father everywhere. The king's business, the king's meetings, military tours, talking about the finances of the kingdom, 
And what is the kingdom? We should do a, a brief overview of that. Pull up your little map on your computer or your phone right now and look up Sweden, right? You see Sweden right there? I'll give you a quick second. Yeah, they had all of Sweden. You see that country right across the Baltic Sea to the east, Finland? They had that too. You see northern Germany right down there? They had that too. In case you're wondering, yes, they owned the Baltic Sea. The Baltic Sea wasn't the Baltic Sea. It was essentially Lake Sweden. Now, it can be hard without a real great understanding, which I don't have, of macroeconomics for you and I to understand this. But remember, this is the pre-car, pre-airplane era This is the goods travel by water era because all the roads suck. I mean, some some goods cross the roads, obviously, but you trade in goods across the water in this era, which is why navies were always so important and controlling the Baltic Sea all to yourself would essentially be like, gosh, it would essentially be like Amazon buying up Google, Facebook, Twitter, and about five other of the biggest websites you can imagine all at once and controlling them all. It is a big deal for one kingdom to control all of that. I cannot put this strongly enough for you how gigantic, how hugely powerful Sweden was at this time. You got a great king and an up-and-coming great king being groomed. That's where Sweden is. Now let's head just a little bit east. You don't need a map for this because I'm assuming you know where this is. Let's head on over to Russia. Russia has a man in charge by the name of Peter. Yes, it's that Peter. We'll get to that in a moment. Ends up being called Peter the Great. St. Petersburg. Yeah, that was that Peter. The man was, by all accounts, a giant. I mean, my height. He was six foot eight, which is absurdly tall today. I know because I am six foot eight. Back then, that would be borderline demigod because people were not that tall back then, ever. The man was tall. Apparently strong as an ox. I guess they say he had long black hair down to his shoulders. Dude must have slayed with the ladies. What, Chris? Probably cleaned up. Hey, it's me, the czar. Look at my flowing locks. Whatever, whatever. We can talk about these things. He is, well... They didn't call him the great for nothing. He was one of these men who could be, and we'll get to this in a moment, extremely cruel. But that was also the country at the time. He also knew that Russia was very much a backwards, technologically crappy country at this time. And boy, were they ever. You and I don't think of them in that way. They're always, you know, that the big bully of Europe. They're always that huge place. Russia is 
I don't want to call them an afterthought because they're even vast back then. But Russia, do you remember what I just told you about the shipping and the trade and things like that? How huge it was, how it was everything? Russia didn't have a navy at this time. They were completely landlocked and did not possess a navy. That is so pathetic in the quest for being a major power at this time. I mean, it's pathetic today, but back then it's embarrassing. You don't have a navy. That means you don't have any shipping across the water. You don't have shipping across the water. You don't really have an economy, not a modern one anyway. Russia was big, but Russia was backwards. Peter did not want Russia to be backwards anymore. Peter was an advanced thinking human being, and Peter came to power having endured a lifetime, and I do mean a lifetime, of watching palace coups all around him. Standard palace coup stuff, too, where he's watching at the age of 10 brothers, cousins, and whatnot getting a spear through their stomach in front of him. That's how he came up. Peter decided he was going to change things. Hang on. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. I was listening to some music last night on my Raycon earbuds, and look, the music sounds great. It sounds really, really great. So I don't turn on my speakers around the house anymore. I just walk around with my Raycon earbuds in, and I have to admit something to you. My youngest son caught me. I was dancing a little bit. I thought I was alone. Look, it was an ugly scene. I told you they sound good. All right? They sound really good. And when I get to jamming out, I got caught up. I got caught up in the moment. But I love these Raycon earbuds. I really do. I would highly, highly recommend you get them. Even if you don't know if you're an earbud person, give them a try. Give their E25 earbuds a try. I'm telling you, these things are special. And when you hear the sound quality, you will be thrilled you made the purchase. And I'm going to save you 15%. Go to buyraycon.com slash jesse. That's buyraycon.com slash jesse. That gets you 15% off. Jesse Kelly returns next. man who wants to bring Russia out of the dark ages. He goes on, and I find this to be so fascinating. He really must have been somebody. He goes on essentially a year and a half long tour of the rest of Europe to go figure out how to bring his country into modern times. And when I say tour, this is what what I find awesome. He doesn't just travel to this king's palace and that king's palace and drink this fine wine and thanks for the cream puffs and oh that bed was comfy on to the next one he does some of that obviously he's a czar he's got to shake some hands kiss some babies he also goes and 
works with blue-collar people building ships and such to learn how that works, too. The man is, like I said, they don't call him Peter the Great for nothing. Now, understand this, too. People are still, they're still a product of their time. And as I've told you a trillion times, people are good and bad. Never, ever, 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 ever look up to or worship too much another human being ever. Even the ones you love, even the ones you admire are flawed beyond belief. And probably the more you love them, the more flawed they are. That's just the nature of man. What I'm trying to get to is while Peter is gone, there is yet another coup attempt by his palace guard back in Russia. Peter goes back home. By the time he gets there, the coup attempt has been put down. He's now in possession of 1,200 prisoners who he has ritually tortured and then their bodies placed on display Do you have any idea what kind of a scene it is to torture 1,200 people? He is by no means, historically, they don't think, a sadist or something, a cruel man, but a man capable of extreme cruelty. But again, Russia is a wild, backward place. If you don't want to have another coup, and they never had another coup after this, You had better put this one down hard. Well, here's the thing about life. Oftentimes, if you want to gain something, not always, certainly, but oftentimes if you want to gain something, you have to take it from somebody else. You want to become that uh, assistant manager where you work? So does the guy next to you, and you're going to have to beat him out for the job. You really want to be vice president of sales for your company? Well, the problem is there's already a vice president of sales for your company. You're going to have to find a way to take that from him. What I'm getting to is Russia at this time, Poland at this time, Denmark, as you can imagine, if you pulled up that little map, Denmark at this time, they really wanted little bits and chunks of the Swedish Empire. You see where Denmark is in that Baltic Sea, what we called Lake Sweden? Denmark kind of ruled the sea for a while, and they charged everyone else essentially a tax to trade in it. Not Sweden, though. Sweden got to do whatever they wanted for free. (laughs) An axe to grind, like I said. Now, you're Peter. You want to bring Russia up. You're Denmark. You're tired of the Swedes. You're Poland. You want to expand what you've got. They decide, why don't we all just kind of get together here? Why don't we all three get together in a big alliance and take on Sweden. Now, why would they take on Sweden at this time? It's not just because they're ambitious. It's because that young man whose father was grooming him, Charles, his father just died, and he is now at the age of 15. 15! 
He is now the ruler of one of the most powerful empires on the planet. And people who want power, ambitious people, they smell weakness. They constantly prowl around looking for it. And they don't have to know him personally. As soon as they find out, there's now a 15-year-old boy in charge of the greatest empire. Those three empires get together and say, I mean, now's the time, right? This kid has pimples. Let's do it. But here's the problem for those three They did not fully grasp the situation. Perhaps it would have been more beneficial to them if they had gone and met with the young boy first. You see, there are 15-year-olds, and then there are 15-year-olds. When I was 14, 15 years old, I was drinking a steady diet of Mountain Dew when I wasn't playing basketball. I'd play video games. I'd shoot spitballs. I would light bags of poop on fire on neighbors' doors and ring the doorbell and watch them stomp them out and laugh and laugh and laugh. However, my neighbor, when I was 14, 15 years old, lived right across the street, a young lady. She was working on her second degree from Harvard. I'm not making that up. One of these super genius people who just, just mind works differently. Like I said, there are 15-year-olds and then there are 15-year-olds and this young man was no joke. He rose to power when his dad died and almost immediately earned the respect of his extremely experienced generals. He starts to prove himself on the battlefield at the age of 18, 19. And when I say prove himself on the battlefield, I mean leading the charge and throwing himself into the maw, almost dying several times. This is an exceptional human being that history has virtually forgotten because of how this whole thing ends. Denmark decides, hey, man, we're going to take our first shot. The kid's just a runt anyway. Let's go after him. In Denmark, they go. They lay siege to a Swedish city, and Sweden promptly mobilizes their sweet army, and they go lay siege to Copenhagen. And Denmark says, you know what? Actually, I take it back. We're suing for peace. Sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean that. Sorry. I did not. Sorry. So there were three. Now there are two. Denmark is out. And I should explain the Swedish army and armies in general at this time. We're always dealing with armies of 20, 30, 40, 50,000 men. The Swedish army was a little different and a little different. This is what I mean. Their weapons were more advanced as far as rifle fire goes. They had flintlock muskets. The Russians had match lock muskets. Now your eyes are rolling in the back of your head because you have no freaking idea what I'm talking about. Allow me to explain to you. You know what a musket looks like. Obviously you've seen enough civil war and world war two, world war two or civil war, revolutionary war and civil war movies. You know what I'm talking about a musket. You have the big hammer on top that gets pulled back 
And then when you squeeze the trigger, the hammer goes forward and boom, the musket goes off. Are you with me so far? Is that clear enough for you, Chris? Well, we are talking about way, way, way before the Civil War era. That little hammer that goes forward. The the Swedes had a little piece of flint on it. So it essentially operated almost the same way as the Civil War was. Not quite as advanced, but stay with me here. Thank Flintlock musket, obviously because it's flint, it hammers down, sets off a spark, it shoots the the musket. A matchlock musket, much different. You may have seen these in the movies before. This is what Russia had. This is one of the older, more original ones. This is like having a typewriter while the guy you're fighting against has a laptop. The matchstick, instead of having a flint there, I'm not making this up, essentially has a match. Now, it wasn't a match. It was more like a thick piece of string. They lit it on fire. And you would (laughs) press the trigger. The hammer would come down. And hopefully it would set off the gunpowder and shoot. Now, can you possibly see any problems with having something on fire beside you? One, you stick out like a sore thumb at night because you're essentially walking around with a lighter. Two, it doesn't stay lit, of course. In a normal environment, it doesn't stay lit, let alone if it it rains even slightly. Three, it stinks. They can hear you coming. They can smell you coming, I should say, a mile away. It is a, the technological difference in these two is stunning. So Sweden has the advanced because Sweden has all the money. And there's a, there's a great advantage in having a great economy. Sweden has all the money. Sweden has the advanced weapons. Russia does not. Sweden also has another thing Russia doesn't, at least at the beginning of this war. Sweden has the power of belief. Don't discount it, not for one second. It matters a lot. Sweden is a Protestant nation at this time. Sweden sees itself as the warriors of the Protestants. They see themselves as being blessed by God. They see things in battles, one of which I'll get to in a moment, which continues to convince them they're blessed by God. And their morale is unreal. Sweden also has a lot of pikemen still. That's essentially a guy with a long spear. Sweden will fire off some volleys and then charge into you and start massacring fools. Guys were scared to death of them. Russia couldn't be more opposite. You have a bunch of poor peasants, poorly equipped, 
the ones that do have rifles, again, I just elaborated for you what they had. Oh, I forgot to mention the matchlock rifles. You couldn't even put bayonets on them. All the Swedish rifles had bayonets. Tell me how that sounds. Hey, here's an old wooden club that may or may not shoot. Go fight that guy who's going to try to stick this bayonet into your eyeball. That's the troops that were Russian. The other ones were mercenaries, and because Russia didn't have a ton of money, and there weren't a ton of great mercenaries at the time, even the mercenaries of Russia sucked. It just wasn't a great army. They clash. By the way, this whole war is called the Great Northern War, if you want to look it up. It's a fascinating conflict. They clash. The Swedes are always outnumbered heavily and Always, because Charles is leading the charge, doing borderline suicidal tactics, they're always outnumbered and always beat the crap out of everybody, including this battle, like the Battle of Narva, where, remember how I said they felt like they were blessed by God? At the Battle of Narva, heavily outnumbered, all of a sudden, a massive winter storm arises and blows into the face of the Russians and at the back of the Swedes. I'm not making this up. The Russians were horrified. Half of them drowned in the river, in a freezing cold river. And it goes on and on and on like this with Charles and the Swedes. Technologically advanced, but absurdly outnumbered, beating the crap out of Everybody, Poland, Denmark's already gone, beating the crap out of Russia. It's so bad early that all of them, including Russia, sue for peace. Even Russia's all, I'm out. Whoa, this was a mistake. But mistakes happen all the time, don't they? Young Charles II. Only in hindsight does this look terrible. It probably looked great at the time. Young Charles II says, no, Russia, I don't like those peace terms. We're still at war. Remember, Russia's leader is no slouch either. They don't call the man Peter the Great for nothing. They don't call him that just because of St. Petersburg either. This is a man who learns. He pulls back. He begins to completely change the makeup of his army, the weapons of his army, the training of his army. And this is the thing about technology and having a technological advantage, especially when it comes to combat. When you have one, especially a big one, while you have it, you are difficult, very, very, very difficult to beat. I'm not going to say unbeatable. That's not true, but you're very difficult to beat. But the thing about technology is it's easy to steal. It's easy to copy. How long do you think you're going to be the only one with a good musket before a couple smart Russians pick it up and figure out how to make their own? How many battles do you think people have to see you fight before they learn your battle tactics and begin to copy them? Russia begins to copy them. And then Charles, 
capable, talented, brave young Charles Twelfth. He decides to be the first one to make the ultimate mistake. The ultimate mistake that had not been made before him in his defense. He was just the first one to lay the groundwork. Chris, what is the one thing you never, ever, ever do if you're fighting Russia? That's right, Chris. Invade in the wintertime. Again, in Charles's defense... He didn't have Napoleon to look at because Napoleon was 100 years after this. He didn't have Hitler to look at because Hitler was 250 years after this. He only had himself. He was the first. He was the great Charles, the one who really hadn't lost a battle. And plus, yeah, he knows Russia gets cold in the winter. He's from Sweden. It's not exactly Jamaica. We've got winter coats here. Turns out it's the coldest winter on record. The coldest winter on record. He loses during this winter. They estimate, they don't know numbers, half of his army. Gone. Froze to death. Disease. Flat out attrition. Gone still decides at the end of this, after all these heavy losses, he still decides he's going to lay siege to Poltava. It's a city. It doesn't matter what it is. Poltava is not important. He has 20,000 men left. Russia shows up with 80,000 to break this siege. Now, again, You're Charles II. You're the modern-day Alexander for your time, which people were talking like that. You're not leaving. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. I have to admit I'm a little suspicious of any home security company that insists I sign a two- or three-year contract. Why would you try to lock me down for so long? Ever asked yourself that question? If the service you're providing me is a good service at a good value then why do you feel the need to lock me down for two or three years? Maybe maybe your service isn't that great. Maybe it's because you know I'm going to want to leave, and I would. And that's why I love Simply Safe. Um, there is no contract. There's no pushy sales guy. They don't do a bunch of fine print garbage. It's straightforward. You pick your stuff. They send it to you. You place it, plug it in, and you are protected. Go to simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That's simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That gets you free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial.
Charles II should have just pulled back, but he didn't realize what he was dealing with. He was dealing with 80,000 Russians, not only 80,000 Russians, the 80,000 Russians had dug in. This is a heavily wooded area. They had built a couple forts is a strong way to put it. They, they're, they're like little mini forts, readouts. You need to think of a, a readout as, as something like this. Stacked up a bunch of logs and put a bunch of earthwork around it. Now, can save your life, extremely beneficial, but we're not talking a fort with rooms and such like that. More like a big wall. Well, Charles, because he's Charles and he's a stud, he has a plan. And I know you're going to find this shocking. His plan is to just charge right into the thing and scare the daylights out of the Russians by the fact that he just has destroyed them. You know, a bunch of mad Swedes running in there with pikes and everything else, scare the Russians to death, the Russians break and run, and in his defense, again, he did think it through, and this is the kind of thing that had worked for him for a long time right now, and did work for him the last time he fought these dirty Russians. They have no morale. They're going to throw down their weapons and run. Wait till they see us. That was then. This is now. These Russians were ready. Charles got slaughtered. Now, there are, you know, Murphy's Law when it comes to war Charles couldn't lead from the front like he normally does because he was out scouting. Isn't this guy amazing? King of a powerful empire, young dude. He's out on a scouting mission with his scouts and gets shot in the foot. So he had to carry, he had to be carried around on a litter essentially for this whole battle. Sweden goes down, goes down in flames. The army is essentially completely surrounded, annihilated. Very few escape. Charles is one of them. Charles has to escape at the to the very powerful Ottoman Empire at this time. Why would a Protestant escape to the Ottoman Empire? Because the Ottomans hated the Russians, hated them. So they gave him, you know, cover for five years. I actually find this story to be extremely sad. Because... So many times, how many stories have have we talked about here that are big versus little? Somebody you're rooting for versus somebody you're rooting against. Yeah, it was this empire's time. It wasn't that that empire's time. This empire was on the way down while that empire was on the way up. You know, so on and so forth. This one I always found to be sad. Because I root, unlike most people in this world, I root for greatness. I like cheering for it. I admire great men. And I like both of these guys. And I think it's a tragedy. History put them on a collision course. Sweden. Sweden got it all taken away from them after this. Everything. Sweden went from the world juggernaut they were to what you know them as today. 
Oh, Sweden? I kind of forgot they exist. Don't they have some hot blonde chicks? I mean, what else do people actually know about Sweden? Could have been something special. Something huge. I mean, I'm thrilled for Peter the Great. Guy deserves it. But I always think of this story as a sad story because a young, up-and-comer, mature, excellent young man takes over, does really well, and just kind of bites off more than he can chew at the end. Imagine for a moment as we wrap this up here, Imagine for a moment your Charles. What's going through your head after the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire agrees to take you in? You ran for your life. He agrees to take you in. Undoubtedly, you're up and you're getting put up in some really nice house, some palace somewhere, but that would be a small comfort. What's going through your head at night with a fire lit beside you looking into it? Is that not a tragic tale? You just had everything. Your father raised you to be ready. Not only did he raise you to be ready, you were ready. And it was all going fine. And you were blessed by God. And you were, all the things that would go through your head. And now you lost it all. And that's how you'll be remembered. Don't you find that to be tragic? Of course, I know you're going to find this shocking. He was killed in battle in his 30s. I think he was 36. <laughs> this guy was a stud. This guy's just a stud. I can't wait to meet him. But hopefully, hopefully we both get to heaven. Because I want to meet this dude. I want to meet this dude. Hang on. Never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit adoptuskids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Things change. I know that's not exactly news to you, but it is something you and I have to accept. Greatness, no matter how great it is, 
No matter how permanent it feels, no matter how well you do it, greatness does not last forever. Ever. It never has. It never will. There is a coming and going. There is a beginning and there is an end to absolutely everything. You don't have to feel down about that. And I want to caution you not to feel down about that. That's just life. That's the way it is. Empires rise. And they rise to heights you're positive they'll never fall from. But in the end, they always do. Jesse Kelly Show. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one, get two, be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE that gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.